Um, and the last couple of days, they were at the thrift store and here last night doing a pandemic busters kind of um, uh, immunity, health, uh, and spiritual connection all mixed together. And so we just really appreciate you being here. Um, Chris uh, and I believe Stacy together somehow have an Eden, I don't remember the word. Eden Restoration. Eden Restoration Project. And they're, they're having, or they have this, uh, this goal of helping people develop um, lifestyle centers um, as simple as in your home where you can take care of the needs of your family, but um, thinking about also the needs of the community. And, and so they've got this passion for training people to be medical missionaries. And uh, so today he's going to share a special message with us. And uh, can I pray with you? Absolutely. Thank you. Lord Father, we are so grateful for you. And we ask right now that you would uh, give Chris a special measure of your Holy Spirit as he speaks your words and uh, help us as we listen to see how your word applies to our hearts and to go from here transformed. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you very much. Well, good morning again, or afternoon. Happy Sabbath. It's a beautiful, calm, peaceful Sabbath day in a beautiful part of the, this country where uh, we can see God's creation. Isn't that great? To be surrounded by God's creation and not so much of man's creation. So, yeah, Stacy and I um, are medical missionary friends, and uh, we, we uh, first... Um, God teamed us up in Eden Valley, and uh, I just want to say, while I'm on that note, Eden Valley has some incredible music down there. I, I was down there for about six, seven months, and the music was incredible. And then I come here, and it's like it's like being in Eden Valley again. <laughs> so that was a treat, and um, that was um, wow. I just I enjoy the spirit here, and uh, I might just stick around. I don't know. If, <laughs> we'll see if. <laughs> If you don't mind, uh, you know, we'll see where God leads me. No. <laughs> um, so we've we've been we've been uh, going, um, kind of traveling around, not specifically for doing these health talks, immune boosting secrets, but uh, it just so happens that, well, I guess in Tennessee we got invited down and. Um, so he flew us out there for a country living and medical missionary seminar. And then uh, Wisconsin, Stacy had to pick up her RV, so I, I tagged along with her up there. And uh, their church opened up their, their, their building for, for us to do a class. And uh, so this is, it's been kind of short term. It's just been this, this summer. And uh, things have been um, developing very quickly, and we have... Uh, we, it all started with a kind of a children's project or children's ministry, I should say, in, um, in Keystone, uh, South Dakota, right, by the, right in the Black Hills and right down the road from, from Mount Rushmore. So a beautiful location. And uh, they have the Black Hills Health and Education Center where um, we had both been working and a beautiful campus and everything. And they have, they have a lifestyle center and they have a massage school. It's one of the few um, massage schools, maybe the only Christian, Christian-based massage school where they don't get into the questionable techniques that uh, that are are questionable. Uh, kind of get into the the new agey type of techniques and and methods. Uh, so they they were once a thriving place. They had twenty 
25 people going through a session at once. And the garden was just incredible. That was all before. They're trying to um, get back up, back um, uh, get the swing back up and going and get the people back in and doing um, sessions. God put it upon our hearts to focus more on the community. We felt the community wasn't getting uh, addressed. They weren't getting their needs met. And uh, we have a testimony from there for treating somebody with a with an ulcer who he'd had it for 10 years on his leg. And um, we, you know, simple remedy, right? Charcoal poultice. And we brought it to him. He was close to getting it amputated. And uh, because of, you know, just going out into the community, and God, we see how God led that. It wasn't just like we met somebody at Walmart and he brought us out there. Um, anyhow, within three weeks... His legs, his wound is healed. His leg is healed. And she's, she's singing God's praises. And, uh, you know, we didn't charge. We weren't trying to, like, get money. We are just trying to help, help them out. And from that, they're like, oh, no, i got to contribute to your ministry. And we're like, well, we've, you know, we will put that towards the ministry. So it's been, uh, it's been a blessing, and we're, we're just... There's a lot to, a lot of work to get done with a web page and and all that, um, but yeah, it's been it's exciting and the contacts we've been making and just meeting people in different churches and it's been wonderful. Um, so yeah, we had the and the book that we've been we found out about this book, Pandemic Busters, and can I can we show a hands who was here last night or the night before just to get an idea. A good, a good portion, a um, little less than half, maybe 40%, were, uh, were attended one of the classes. And then maybe some of those raised their hand and saw it online. I don't know. But uh, it, it's a fantastic book. I'm sure everybody that got a book or um, had looked into it sees the value. I plan on getting them to all my family. I want to get them to each one, every one. It doesn't tie in the spiritual so much, but with some other, like a great controversy um, and some Sunday law books, then they can get the full, full message, the, the health message, along with the, the gospel message, the good news. So, we get set up here, and I'm going to pretend to be comfortable up here. <laughs> I'm just going to, yeah. But yeah, I do need God's God's help, and uh, so let me um, offer up another prayer, and we'll we'll get into it. Heavenly Father, Lord, I am so grateful that um, that you have taken me out of the world and set me on solid ground. And Father, I just uh, I desire to um, honor you. I desire to glorify you. I want to um, to represent you well, and uh, I need. I need help doing that, Lord, uh, whether it's here at the podium or, or in, my, in my private life or personal life or wherever, in public life even. I need to be completely dependent on you. In fact, we all do. And right now, as uh, I get ready to share the message, I ask that you help me again, as I said earlier, to, to uh, step out of the way and lose sight of myself so that your glory will shine forth. So we thank you, Father. We praise you. We give you all the honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. So the, the title 
of the message is a holy nation. And I think I gave away, I think it kind of gives away the nation I'm talking about, right? You kind of, you got an idea of who am I talking about? I'm talking about the USA, right? USA. <laughs> no, okay. We're not going to do any chants, right? No USA chants? Okay. So, no, the holy nation that, um, that we read about or that we see in Exodus 19.6 is, um, is not the USA. Um, and uh, we're going to talk briefly about the United States, but then we're going to talk more about the nation that um, God is trying to raise up. He tried to raise it up. He, he wanted to raise it up back in the uh, Old Testament in the, in the Exodus. And I have a question for you. And the question is, if you could travel back in time, if you had, if God said, yeah, I'm going to allow you that, that power, if you could travel back in time, what, where would you go? Where would you go? Have you ever thought about it? I'm sure everybody's thought about that, right? Well, something's been on my heart recently in the last, I don't know, maybe a year or so, is I would actually like to travel back in time to the, the Exodus. I would love to, to be there. Uh, yeah, it was, it was an incredible time, right? And they saw incredible things. Um, but what I want to see during the Exodus all the way through Deuteronomy and into the promised land is I want to see Jesus before he was visible. He was visible to, to his disciples, right? He was visible when he, when he came to this earth. They saw him, they touched him, they, they spoke directly with him. And of course, Jesus was there at Mount Sinai. He was speaking to the, the Hebrews, right? But what I want to see is Jesus in what God was doing. I want to see Jesus every step of the way. Because if you think about it, the, the Hebrews were surrounded by pagan gods, right? During, during their time in Egypt and you know, all over. The Canaanites, all throughout the land... All you see is these pagan gods and uh, false gods, of course. And the thing about these pagan gods is they were, they were very arbitrary and they were very capricious and wanton. And uh, if, I was sitting, if I was sitting in the pew, I'd be like, okay, I know those words kind of, but what, what is the definition? So arb- um, capricious would be, I think I had it pulled up on my phone, capricious is uh, capricious would be kind of like the deal, uh, being, um, oh, I need some help there. Anybody have a definition? <laughs> Let me pull this up real quick. Okay. And I'm going to pull up the first word that I came up with, arbitrary. It's harder to think up here than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> so arbitrary, I'm just going to, yeah, go off the definition, right? Based on random choice or personal whim rather than any reason or system. Um, so you can see, we know, we've studied God's word. We know that God is not arbitrary in anything he does. He doesn't just, um, it's like, oh yeah, you know, that when he designed the world, when he created, when he spoke it into existence, everything had meaning and purpose. It all had eternal value to it. And that's the beauty I mentioned last night, how Jesus, 
had this power of observation where he could spend time, even growing up as a young child, he would spend time in the wilderness surrounded by God's creation, surrounded by his creation, his handiwork, and picking up lessons from, from the things of nature. So, and then capricious means given to sudden and unaccountable changes of mood or behavior. So we see that in the pagan gods. You know, they just act capriciously. They act arbitrarily. You know, you got you to gotta appease the gods. You got to do um, what they say, but you don't know why. There's no reasoning, right? They're, you know, Satan's a... A, out to destroy, kill and destroy. Wanton is uh, of a cruel or violent action, deliberate and unprovoked. Now, obviously, these, these terms don't apply to the God we worship. But when the, when the Hebrews were brought out of Egypt, and the way God brought them out, he was shown his power, right? But he was leading them step by step. And... The, uh, the thing that he, everything he did, again, had purpose. So I want to, I would love to be there, and I would love to see what is God doing. You know, you know I don't understand what's going on, but this God, this powerful God, there's meaning and purpose behind it. So I want to understand, and then as we, we'll look into um, Deuteronomy a little bit, and we'll see how Jesus is there in, in, in the law, in, in the Old Testament. Um, so that was, that's been something. So when Sabbath School Quarterly came out and is on Deuteronomy, I'm like, oh, nice. This is, this is great. This is what I need to get into. I need to understand Deuteronomy. And just to support that, um, that mindset... I'm going to read a couple quotes for you. And this is, this is a great Bible. I don't know if does anybody have the Mission Study Bible. It's got some great notes in it. Uh, the, the first, and this is at the very beginning of Deuteronomy. Um, the book of Deuteronomy should be carefully studied by those living on the earth today. It contains a record of the instruction given to Moses to give to the children of Israel. In it, the law is repeated. So the law, you know, is repeated in Deuteronomy. It's Deuteronomy, the name means second law. Um, Yeah, second legislation, second law. And further down, and this is from Review and Herald, December 31st, 1903. uh, She says, upon obedience to this law depended the prosperity of Israel. So this nation that God was forming, their prosperity depended on, on their obedience to what God was, was laying out for them. The second quote I want to read is very similar. We do not make enough of Deuteronomy and Exodus. These books record the dealings of God with Israel. God took the Israelites from slavery and led them through the wilderness to the promised land. So we're getting, we have counsel that we need to study Deuteronomy, spend time in Deuteronomy, understand it. Um, So I was thrilled when the Sabbath school uh, got into that topic, that book. 
One last, um, one last quote. Had Israel obeyed the directions given them by Moses, not one, not one of those who started on the journey from Egypt would in the wilderness have fallen a prey to disease or death. Not a single one would have fallen, which is just incredible. And, um, and whether it's from disease, whether it's from um, war, battle, any other kind of death, uh, animal attack, not a single one would have been lost during their wilderness wanderings. And, of course, their disobedience caused them to spend 40 years. Um, so that immediately caused some problems and death. So my, um, my interest in Deuteronomy is, is, like I said, to see Jesus in, in the pages of Deuteronomy. And, of course, we could see him all throughout the Bible. But to be there and say, and to say, I want to dig deeper. I want to dig deeper to what God intended with this law, that law. I want to see how it applies to Jesus. What is the principle that that law is sitting upon? You have the foundation, right? The foundation. And this podium is, is resting on a, on a foundation. And it's looking, the foundation is, is crucial, as we all know. So, with Exodus 19.5, sorry, Exodus 19.5, which was our scripture reading, we have, it says, Now therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And let's read 6 also. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. Did God have big plans for Israel? He had huge plans for Israel. He had plans it would if 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 only they would have kept obedient. We would not be in the, um, the world wouldn't question God the way they do today. And, um, of course, fast forwarding, we could say the same thing about um, the Christian faith and even the Adventist movement if, if we only would have been faithful. So God has big, had big plans for Israel. They did not fulfill their destiny. And... Um, how about us? Or how about the U.S.? Did God, was God involved in the establishment of the U.S.? He was involved because he wanted this place to be a bastion of freedom, right? Not, not big tech, not big corporations, not big government, big pharma, big ed, as in big education. Nor was it to be a place of indulgence, professional sports, mega mansions, the haves and the have-nots, right? When he blesses somebody with wealth, he doesn't just bless them for, for their own good to, to build an empire. He blesses those 
without ability to produce wealth in order to bless others. So, but we see that U.S. has not lived up to that that calling of of living up to the the the, the uh, principles of freedom and uh, religious freedom, and we are seeing those obviously eroded. So, in a in a uh, a documentary I, I watched a little over ten years ago. A documentary called uh, "Secret Mysteries of America's Beginnings," and it was it was a very eye-opening video, very, very eye-opening documentary, and it just showed you how yes, God was involved in the the founding of America, but you also see how the devil was right there all along the way. He wasn't. It wasn't just like all. It was all Christians coming and. And uh, they were all interested in in religious freedom. There were those who were of a different sort. And in the in the video, it goes into that. You, you even in the video, you'll learn that um, Sir Francis Bacon had a big part to play in the founding of the United States of America. And he was an occultist, right? This guy was an occultist. And he wrote about the New Atlantis. And he saw America as the New Atlantis, this place where these flying machines would be developed and all this technology and, and all these things that we, uh, we obviously, uh, he was obviously had an inside track on, on what the devil had planned for, for America. So and then he, they get into this this uh, occultist John Dee and and they even talk about the American eagle. And what they say, and I don't know if this is true or not, but what they say is that the American eagle is a stylized phoenix. Now, what a phoenix is an occult symbol, correct? And I don't, I can't verify this one hundred percent. But what happens with the phoenix? It dies, and then what? It resurrects, right? So they, they, the devil is working behind the scenes in so many ways, all along the way, to bring about the, the, the kingdom that, um, or to, to do damage to God's kingdom. We see in the U.S., we see the craziness that is going on. I think we can all agree that we see the craziness, the lunacy out there is, is shocking. And the only conclusion I can come to is that there is mass mind control over the people. And in a sense that they're in a somewhat of a trance, that they can't even see truth. And I think of a verse... Um, that talks about they receive not the love of the truth into their hearts. When you take a step away from truth and you say abortion is okay, or you go down a different route that, that denies truth, you don't just stop there. You don't just stop at one uh, step away from truth. That takes you further and further down, down the road. That takes you further and further down into the pit. 
So we see the USA today, and we we wonder, like, how how is this all going to come to a close? We we see the Dominion theology. Dominion theology says that uh, Christianity basically needs to control things. So there's erosion of the, the church and state. We see with the, uh, the kingdom now the, uh, theology, very similar, the Zionism, the nationalism. And then on the other side, you have the globalism, the nationalism, the um, communism. And the enemy of our souls, he is setting up a two sides and the world is going to be besides a certain few a remnant the world is shaping up into two categories two sides two opposing forces and if you haven't it's good to understand a little bit about the hegelian dialectic with the hegelian dialectic that is one of Satan's powerful tools of, of bringing about the results he wants. And another term for that is problem-reaction-solution. Right? You create a problem. Communism is a problem. Marxism is a problem. And we, it's infiltrated all throughout the country, all throughout the established um, uh, Department of Education, everything. And then in order to combat, in order to get what, what he wants uh, to come out of that, naturally a nationalism is going to rise to meet the communism. So there is this, these, these, uh, these pieces of the chessboard. They're coming together. And here we are, for one thing, need to be careful not to get, to, to get into one side or the other. Uh, we see it with the, the, the kingdom of the north and the kingdom of the south. That, that these two forces, and it's always Israel, right in the middle, right? Um, and it, so, with all that said, we are in, uh, the, the U.S. is under, basically, under a, um, under, under duress, the U.S. Constitution is, we're seeing it eroding before our eyes. And you see, even with the, the young man recently, Kyle Rittenhouse, what happened? He was recently um, freed of all charges. Now, I'm, I'm about to get away from US, the U.S. and into the, the, this holy nation, right? I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting there. And Kyle Rittenhouse, can you blame the guy? I got to say, from my personal experience, if, if your country is under attack, then what do you do? You, you defend your neighborhood, your community, or you go to, you, you defend it. The thing is, is what did Jesus say? <clears throat> what did Jesus say about his kingdom? Is his kingdom of this world? His kingdom is of a different world, correct? And we see that in John eighteen thirty six. We see Jesus answer, My kingdom is not of this world. 
If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews, but now is my kingdom not from hence. So here we see Jesus talking about his kingdom. And he's telling them, if my kingdom was of this world, I would, they would fight. They would fight with swords and implements. But his kingdom is of a different sort. His kingdom is uh, uh, a spiritual battle. So, I would love to have time with Kyle and say, and kind of point him into the other direction and say, we have the example of Desmond Dawes, correct? Desmond Dawes, um, unarmed, he wasn't armed. He, was, he wasn't focused on this so much the, the temporal battle. He was focused on this eternal uh, battle, this eternal struggle. So here's Desmond, no, no, not armed whatsoever, and going into battle, facing uh, gunfire, and pulling like 70 people out of, out of harm's way, saving their lives. So the, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, are they? In Isaiah 55, 8, speaks of God's ways. God's ways are not our ways. We have in there, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but water the earth, and make it bringeth forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Okay, so let us look to who is Israel. Who is Israel? We, we need to know, right? We need to know who is Israel. And is it, we have the, uh, all these different options. In fact, we got the, the, uh, the Jews in Israel. We have the black Hebrews, Israelites. We have the lost tribes of Israel. But who is the true Israel? The, the New Testament answers that question. And we know that the true Israel is Jesus. Amen? The true Israel is Jesus. In fact, right at the very beginning of Matthew, we are told that out of Egypt have I called my son. Now that comes from Hosea 11.1, right? So in Hosea 11.1, Is where that reference comes from. When Israel was a child, then I loved him and called my son out of Egypt. So we see here that he's saying his son, Jesus, is the true Israel. And what do we find in, uh, throughout New Testament is that if we are part of Jesus, we are part of that, that true Israel. 
So all the, all the arguments for, oh, this is Israel, that's Israel, and uh, they're all going to come together and, and uh, dwell in the land of Israel. Jesus is true Israel. We are part of that Israel. And and we know that we don't have to have our heritage in Israel taken away from us. We we are secure in that in, in, in that if Jesus is abiding in us and we in Jesus, then we are part of true Israel. So who was the the Pentateuch written for? Who was the Deuteronomy written for? It was written for those in 1 Corinthians 10, 11. 1 Corinthians 10, 11 is the verse that I always go to to, um, to show me or to, to help me understand the Old Testament. Okay. Now all these things happen unto them for examples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. So the, the ends of the world are come, and the Old Testament was written for our understanding. <clears throat> they happen for examples. Jesus is Israel. We are part of Israel. And in Deut- we're going to get it back into Deuteronomy. Um, Deuteronomy 30. Okay. All right. So we're going we're gonna to get this back on track. Help me, Lord, to, to get Father speak through me now. Help me to um, get back on track and, and get refocused. Help me to um, deliver the message that you want in these, these ending uh, few minutes, few moments. And give me strength, Lord. Give me the strength to uh, deliver what you had intended all along. Help me through, Lord, and, uh, and that uh, we can all see clearly what you desire for us to learn so that we can apply it to our lives. Okay. Okay. So... Let us get back into Deuteronomy. We're going to look at Deuteronomy 30 and verses 11, 14. Okay? (laughs) We are going to look at that and see something amazing. So I want to to wrap this up in a way that that is meaningful and, and powerful and the way that God had intended Deuteronomy 30, 11 says, For this commandment which I command thee this day, it is not hidden from thee, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that thou shouldest say, Who shall go up for us to heaven and bring it unto us, that we may hear and do it? Neither is it beyond the sea that thou shouldest say, Who shall go over the sea for us and bring it unto us, that we may hear it? And do it. But the word is very nigh unto thee, in thy mouth and in thy heart, that thou mayest do it. Now, here's where I was initially starting off with wanting to be in Deuteronomy, wanting to hear the words 
that Moses was saying and seeing Jesus in those words. Now, if it's, this might be familiar to you, but this is coming out of the also reference in the New Testament. And Paul references this in uh, Romans 10. If we could all turn to Romans 10. And this is um, wonderful what, what the Holy Spirit brings out in this, uh, this message here. And we're looking at Romans 10, we're looking at 4 through, um, through 8. Romans 10, 4 through, so Paul is, is referencing Deuteronomy 30 here. And he's saying, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth these things, those things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. Say not in thine heart, who shall ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who shall descend into the deep? That is to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. So do you see the parentheses? It is telling us, Paul is telling us exactly what the commandment is. The commandment is Jesus himself. The commandment, he's saying, it's not so far away from you. It's not on the other side of the world. It's not on the, in the deep. It's not above. It's Jesus himself as the commandment coming into our hearts and doing that work for us that we cannot do. He is that living, that living, breathing word. And if we have Jesus, we have that commandment. So that is um, something beautiful that is an example of how we can see Jesus in the Old Testament. We can see Jesus all throughout and the verse that, that uh, really um, I was going to spend some time on was, <laughs> was, I will not actually get into it. I need to make sure that, that uh, we, we end this on a, on a note that, um, that will bring it all together. And uh, I want to... Reiterate that Jesus is the commandment. Um, you have part in the covenant. The Pentateuch was written for Israel, and if we are Israel, it was written for us. So we are that um, that uh, that that part of that new covenant. Um, hmm. Life, life is. Uh, Okay, Exodus 19.5. Lord, give me strength. Okay, Lord, give me strength. Exodus 19.5, we're going to start, we're going to go back to where we started. We're going to look again, and we're going to see the verses there, 19.5 and 6. Now therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant... 
Then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. And we see this quoted again in the New Testament. In 1 Peter 2.9, we see it laid out again, 1 Peter 2.9. So God, when he, when he gave that commandment, when he spoke that, he's been waiting all this time for that nation to develop, that nation to, to rise up and become the people that he is wanting to represent him, wanting to, to give that end times message. So in 1 Peter 2.9, we see, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So this was written in the New Testament. This was written for our admonition that we are to be that holy nation. We are to be that holy nation. And as... As a holy nation, we need to understand how to read Deuteronomy, how to read the Old Testament, correct? And I just want to close up with um, two quotes. She says, I saw our people in great distress, weeping and praying, pleading the sure promises of God, While the wicked were all around us, mocking and threatening to destroy us, they ridiculed our feebleness. They mocked at the smallness of our numbers and taunted us with the words calculated to cut deep. They charged us with taking an independent position from that, from all the rest of the world. They had cut off our resources so that we could could not buy nor sell and referred to our abject poverty and stricken condition. They could not see how we could live without the world. We were dependent upon the world. And we must concede to the customs, to the customs, practices, and laws of the world. They're going to come after us, and we're going to be keeping the, the, the custom practices and laws of our Savior, not of this world. But they're going to be saying, you're not keeping with the world. You need to obey or get out of it. If we were the only people in the world whom the Lord favored, the appearances were awfully against us. They declared that they had the truth, that miracles were among them, that angels from heaven talked with them and walked with them. You hearing this? They had the truth. They had miracles. They had angels walking with them. They had angels talking with them. And they had great power. They had signs and wonders were performed among them. And this was the temporal millennium. They believe at that time that the temporal millennium has arrived. So, this is from Maranatha, July 20th. They believe that the temporal millennium had arrived, which they had been expecting so long. The whole world was converted. The whole world was converted and in harmony with the Sunday law and this feeble people stood out in defiance of the law of the land and the laws of God and claimed to be the only ones right on the earth. 
we see that Satan is raising this kingdom up to, to counter, to, to take on this small little group, feeble group, uh, supposedly dependent on, on the world. And let me read this last quote, and then we'll close up. To stand in the defense of truth and righteousness when the majority forsake us. To fight the battles of the Lord when champions are few. This will be our test. At this time, we must gather warmth from the coldness of others, courage from their cowardice, and loyalty from their treason. How do you get coldness? How do you get warmth from something that's cold? How do you get courage from their cowardice? We don't, do we? But we, we can only do that through Jesus, correct? The captain of our salvation will strengthen his people for the conflict in which they must engage. Now is a time when we should closely connect with God, that we may be hid when the fierceness of his wrath is poured upon the sons of men. And they repeat that a similar quote, all who gather warmth. Listen to this, because this is about the triumph of the third angel's message. All who will gather warmth from the coldness of others, courage from their defections, and loyalty from their treason will triumph with the, with the three angels' message, the third angel's message. So we need to be those people that can gather that warmth from the coldness of others, courage from their defections, and tr- loyalty from their treason. We're going to be a kingdom that God has been wanting to be raised up all these millennia, a kingdom that represents him, that represents Christ. And what greater thing did he want from Israel than to go out into the world? And they would have been like a medical missionaries with their health message. They had health message, right? We are to be those people. God is calling each and every one of us to be medical missionaries. The, just last week, we were told, uh, we got counsel, or we read counsel about the last, thing, through works, a couple works that we'll go through, the publishing work, like the canvassing work, and the medical missionary work. So, whatever else I said tonight, today, and uh, that kind of flew over your head, just take that with you, uh, all, of, all of you saints, all the remnant, take it with you that we are, God is wanting to raise us up, each one of us, to be those medical missionaries, to be, to do that work. We're not all called to be full-time medical missionaries. We're not all called to do it full-time, but we all are called to be medical missionaries at some level, to some degree, we all need to get that training so we can have that entering wedge to take with us as we go from door to door and from, from town to town and uh, reaching out to the people, healing their wounds and leading to them to the cross of Christ. So this is all about being um, that nation that God has been waiting to see raised up all this time, all these thousands of years. And if you're if you're with me, let's um, let's stand in prayer if we if we can.
Heavenly Father, Lord, um, it was a struggle for me. It was, it was a battle. And I thank you, Lord, that um, I, I know that there was still glimmers of the message in that, that the people can focus on and take to heart and that they can apply it to their lives, that they can, uh, that we can all be that nation, part of that nation that you are raising up, that you are going to um, all the world with. You're going to lighten this world with your glory and with your, um, with your character. So let your character be shown through us. Lord, let your character shine out through us everywhere we go. And whenever we speak, whatever we do, our thoughts, let it all glorify you, Lord, so that the world can see your goodness and can see the distinction between the world's ways and your ways. And that whether the whole seven billion plus people are against us or not, let us, our eyes always be focused on eternal things, that eternal reality, and on the cross of Christ, Lord. So... I thank you for for everyone here that that wants to take up that that standard and hold that high and we praise you in Jesus name. Amen. Amen.